What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com, that's patreon.com forward slash baldhead bible, and there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. It must have been a beautiful sight, an amazing sight to see when the glory of the Lord filled the temple. It says that after the priests in in 1 Kings chapter 8 had finished placing the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies as they came out of the holy place, the cloud of the glory of the presence of the Lord was so thick they couldn't move. And it says the light of the glory of God's presence shone throughout the temple. I can't imagine how beautiful that must have been and how magnificent that must have looked to see a viable symbol of the presence of God and just a little bit of his presence filled the temple with his glory, a shining cloud. The priests couldn't move. See, Solomon, I told you, built lots of things. Well, he built this temple to the Lord. And he was given the honor to build this temple where the Lord comes to him in 1 Kings 9 and says, you know, I'm going to put my name there. And if you obey me, Solomon, I'm going to make your throne last forever. And Solomon, in dedicating this temple, he prays for the people and he prays to the Lord. And then he turns around and gives a benediction and just speaks to the people. And he says this in 1 Kings 8, verse 60. All the peoples of the earth may know that, and here's the key, the Lord is God. There is no other. Let your heart therefore be holy, true to the Lord our God, walking in his statutes and keeping his commandments. This is King Solomon speaking. And he says, let me say it again, the Lord is God, there is no other. And he bellows it out in the temple as they dedicate this beautiful wonder of wonders. It was a beautiful temple dedicated to the Lord so that the people would know that there is only one God and his name is Yahweh and there is no other. That's what Solomon says. Yet, maybe 10 years later, 12 years later, we see Solomon walking a path on a mountain just outside Jerusalem. 
And in Jerusalem is this temple dedicated to the one true God, Yahweh. But here we see Solomon walking a path outside of Jerusalem on a mountain, probably what we call the Mount of Olives today. And Solomon is walking this path, and I can imagine there are drumbeats and music, and everything's praising and celebrating this God. There's a large procession, and they go up to this high place that Solomon had created. And there they start to sacrifice to the one true God with great, you know, fanfare and everybody's loving it. Yay! Well, why aren't they sacrificing in the temple they just built? Why are they sacrificing in this high place on a mountain just outside of Jerusalem? What are they? Well, they're not sacrificing to Yahweh. Remember, Solomon earlier had said there is only one true God, right? There is no other. But here, in his old age, in his 50s, he's getting up there in age. Is he losing his mind? Because he's not worshiping and sacrificing to Yahweh. No, he is surrounded by people celebrating a God named Ashtoreth, a female deity made up by various tribes around them, or he might have been celebrating and sacrificing to a god named Molech, or he might have been sacrificing and celebrating a god named Chemosh, and people are celebrating in Solomonism himself, yay, as they burn incense and drink offerings and burnt offerings to Ashtoreth, Chemosh, and Molech. That's not Yahweh. There is only one true God. Solomon instead is sacrificing to these lesser little g-gods. They're not true gods. In fact, he's probably sacrificing to a demon, some evil being who is totally against God. What? What are you doing, Solomon? How did this happen? 10, 15 years earlier, you had built so much and spent so much time honoring the one true God, Yahweh. Yahweh came to Solomon twice in his life, revealed himself in a dream to Solomon twice, speaking to him. And he says, you're chosen, Solomon. You're going to be mine, and I'm going to do great things with you. Yahweh is your God, Solomon. You need to be loyal to Yahweh. What are you doing going after these other gods? And as the celebration continues outside the walls of Jerusalem, I think the sounds of the cheering and the yelling and the worship of these evil gods when Yahweh looked down and saw what was happening, he must have broken his heart. Solomon the wisest man in all the earth is worshiping other gods. What in the world happened? Well, it was pretty easy to see what happened. First Kings chapter 11 lays it right out what happened. Solomon started hanging out with the wrong people. 
I mean, that's simply it. Solomon started hanging out with the wrong people and started listening to other people. And it says in 1 Kings chapter 11, he in particular clung to these other people. He loved these other people. Who were these other people? It says that Solomon in his life had 700 wives and 300 concubines. That's what it says. 700 wives and 300 concubines. Concubines are like lesser wives. They're still connected to him. They're still his wife, still has a family with him, but they're like a lesser wife. And he had 300 of them. But if you remember earlier, he married an Egyptian princess. That was his wife for how many years? But now he's got 700 wives. 700. I can't even begin to comprehend why you need 700 wives. Well, a lot of the reasons he had 700 wives and 300 concubines was for political alliances. He wanted to keep this country happy and this country happy. So he said, guess what? I'll make your daughter my wife. I'll make your daughter my concubine. Come on in. But along the way, it says that Solomon became deeply attached attached to these women. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 2, Solomon was deeply attached, it says, and then it says, and he loved them. Now, how you love over a thousand women, I don't know, but he began to become attached emotionally to them and fell in love with them, and because of that, his heart began to turn. And his heart not only began to turn, it began to enjoy the things they do. So when you marry another woman from another country, guess what? They don't celebrate and worship Yahweh. Guess what their deity is? Chemosh. And you marry somebody else, and their deity is Molech. You marry somebody else, and their deity is Ashtoreth. Now, Ashtoreth was this female goddess that was the wife of the sun god Baal. And many people think Ashtoreth was symbolized by the moon. Chemosh was an idol of the Moabites. And Ashtoreth was an idol of the Sidonians. And then the most evil. In fact, the Bible calls this particular god detestable. That was the god Molech or Milcom. And All of them were detestable because there's only one true God. Detestable means disgusting, gross, yuck would be the idea behind detestable. But Molech, all of them were yuck towards God because there's only one true God. These are evil beings, but Molech in particular was disgusting, detestable. Why? Because this idol... People sacrificed their children to. The others, they would sacrifice various things, but to Molech, if you really wanted to reach him, you had to sacrifice a child. I can't imagine that. And I don't know if Solomon ever fell into that level of depravity. But it says these 700 wives and these 300 concubines, a thousand women, began to turn the heart of Solomon, but it was his choice. He loved them, 
And after years of being in their presence, maybe one came to him and says, you know, I really like Yahweh, but I'd love a, a high place, a place where I could worship my goddess Ashtoreth. Hey, I'd really love my own high place where I could celebrate Molech and Chemosh, and they would prey on him and talk to him and whine and complain when he would drag him to the temple, and they would tell him about all the things they could do when they worship these other gods, because a lot of the ways you worship these other gods were very sexual in nature. And hey, when I look at the way they worship, wow, that's a lot more fun. Maybe celebrating God. He has specific rules laid out. It's much more rigid there. Man, there's a whole bunch of sensual dancing. Wow, and his heart begins to be pulled towards worshiping these other gods for all the wrong reasons. And this is the wisest man in the world. What are you doing, Solomon? Especially in light of this fact. Solomon, he was sitting pretty at this point in his reign. The Lord had blessed him, giving him abundance of wealth, abundance of gold, abundance of silver, abundance of things to eat, abundance of people around him. His land had spread out. He pushed out the territory of Israel. He had peace with his enemies. Wow, why would you then turn your back? on the God who gave you all that to pursue these other little g-gods. Why would you do that, Solomon? Where's your wisdom? Where was it? It was with those women and his love for them. He let his passions take over. I don't blame these women. I blame Solomon because he was led by his passions, and then those passions began to make wrong choices, and then making those wrong choices becomes addicted to certain types of behavior and certain ways of doing things. And he pursues them and he totally gives up on God. And I want to say, some of you are thinking, hey, that's dumb. Some of you younger listeners are thinking, I would never do that. God promised Solomon. He said, if you follow me, if your heart is loyal to me, true to me, I will bless you upon bless you. But. If you pursue other gods, I will walk away from you, Solomon, and I will stop blessing you. And Solomon knew this. He knew all the right things. He knew what he was supposed to do, but he still pursued other gods. And like I said, some of you are thinking, but I would never do that. I'd remain true. Look what God's done for me. And you're young now, and you're like saying, I will remain true to God. And I want to say, stick with that. Be loyal to Yahweh. Be loyal to Jesus, his son. If you are young, be loyal to Yahweh. Be loyal to Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Decide to follow Jesus the rest of your life and be loyal to him no matter what. If you're young, or even if you're older and you've made that decision, please stick with it. Because what's going to pull you away are the people you hang out with. That's what's going to pull you away. You get into middle school, you get into high school, and people are like, well, you know, following this Jesus stuff isn't cool anymore. Do you really want to go to that church? 
do you really want to help in Awana or some type of Sunday school? What is that? That's not cool. And you have friends who want you to do other things. Join my team. Hey, you play on Sundays. I don't care. Join my team. Let's go do stuff and we'll travel all summer on my team. And hey, don't go hang out with those people who call themselves Christians. No, no, hang out with us. We're the cool ones. And you start hanging out with them. And these are Genuinely nice people, many of them. I wouldn't be surprised if many of Solomon's wives were the nicest people you could meet. But nice people can still pull you away from God. If you're an adult and you're the only Christian at work and you go, man, if I take a stand, if I stand up for truth, I'm going to have to quit hanging out with my friends in certain places where they like to go for entertainment. I can't go anymore, and it's going to cost me to walk away from that. Do it. Why? Because eventually, whether we like it or not, we're people of community. And if you pick the wrong community, that community is going to pull you in ways away from Yahweh that you can't even begin to understand. And you may have a heart loyal to God today, and I'll just dabble a little bit over here in this community. If you dabble a little bit, Solomon did, and then he ended up dabbling a lot. Before we know it, Solomon's heart is no longer following Yahweh and it's pursuing others' gods. And I just want to say, pick your friends wisely. Choose your community wisely. They will have an impact on how completely and dearly you follow God. And it will have an impact on how completely and dearly your heart is after Jesus. Please, be wiser than Solomon. Your friends say a lot about who you are and what your deepest values really are. They really do. Well, Solomon had a heart for other things, and his heart began to turn. So God said, all right, I'm going to raise up three satans now it doesn't say satan but remember in an earlier podcast i said the word satan can also mean adversary well that's literally what he raises up here in the hebrew he raises up three adversaries and one of them is called Hadad. god says all right i'm going to bring up three adversaries in your life solomon that are going to start to be a pain in your neck and one of them is Hadad, who was an edomite and under David and under the, the command of Joab, the Israelite army had wiped out most of the Edomites except for one man who was a prince of the Edomites named Hadad. And he got out of town and he went and lived with the Egyptians and became part of Pharaoh's court. And in fact, married one of Pharaoh's relatives and had quite the little life going there in Egypt. But when he heard David died and when he heard Joab died, he said to Pharaoh, please let me go back to Edom. Let me go back to my home because I hate Israel and I want to fight them again. And Pharaoh says, I don't understand why you're leaving every great thing you've got here to go back there, but all right, you can go. And so Hadad begins to become a thorn in Solomon's side. He raises up somebody called Rezon, or R-E-Z-O-N, Rezon. Rezon becomes an enemy. Again, the Satan, this adversary, to be the 
thorn in the side of Solomon. And he is just this maverick. He used to be with this king called Hadadezer, king of Zobah. Well, he decides, I'm better than that, and he's basically an officer in his army, and he leaves Hadadezer, king of Zobah, and does his own thing, and starts raiding into Israel, and starts becoming a thorn inside of Solomon, and eventually, he goes up to Syria, to a place called Damascus, and establishes his own kingdom up there. And then, he raises up a third Satan, a third adversary. And his name is Jeroboam. And we're going to hear about him. And Jeroboam sounds like a great guy. He worked for Solomon. And he worked really well in repairing the wall of the city of David. And he started supervising people. And when Solomon saw that Jeroboam was a young man who was getting things done, he began to put him over the entire labor force and he raised him up. Hey, you're getting things done. Go for it, Jeroboam. Solomon himself promoted him. Jeroboam's doing his thing, working in the administration of Solomon. And one day he's walking to work, walking through a field, when all of a sudden, out of nowhere... Somebody yells, hey, Jeroboam, stop. Jeroboam, stop. And Jeroboam turns around. It's this man, probably an old man in a cloak. And all he could see was this man with this basically cape wrapped around him. And he comes up to Jeroboam. And he says, listen. I want you to listen to what I'm about to tell you. And he whips off the cloak and he drops it on the ground. And this old man picks up the cloak and he starts to tear it. Here's one piece, drops it to the ground. Here's a second piece, drops it to the ground. Here's a third piece. He rips his cloak, and it was a new cloak. It was a fancy cloak. It was, I just bought this at Old Navy cloak. You know, this wasn't some cheap, raggedy cloak. How he ripped it, I'm impressed. But this is Ahijah, the prophet. Ahijah was sent by God to prophesy to Jeroboam, and he's prophesying by ripping this new cloak into 12 pieces. And he picks up these 12 pieces and he looks at them. And then he says, here, Jeroboam. And he gives them one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He gives Jeroboam ten of the pieces that he ripped out of his cloak. And he says, this symbolizes what I'm about to do to Solomon. I have torn the, the nation of Israel from the hand of Solomon because he is pursuing other gods, Jeroboam. His heart has been turned to other gods, and I'm ripping it from him, and I am giving you ten of the tribes. 
Solomon's gone after all these other gods, just says, and he says they've gone after Chemosh and Molech and, and, and Ashtoreth. He says, but I am going to give you 10 of these tribes, Jeroboam. You are my chosen man. If you obey all I command you, Ahijah says, God says, if, if you obey all I command you and walk in my ways, I will be with you and I will build you a lasting dynasty, Jeroboam. If you do this, you've got to do it. He says, I'm going to keep two. Two of the tribes. I'm going to keep them. And Solomon's son is going to take them over. And he's going to reign. And he's going to reign in those two tribes. But you're going to have the other ten, Jeroboam. That is what is going to happen. Solomon's son is going to have these other two and be their king. But you will be the king of the other ten tribes of Israel, Jeroboam. If you follow in my paths, if you do what is right, if you keep loyal and a heart that's true to me. This is quite a prophecy by Ahijah. And he tells this to Jeroboam. Jeroboam takes in the prophecy. And it says, he gets out of town. Jeroboam has to run. Why? Because Solomon eventually hears about this prophecy and Solomon eventually hears what happens and he decides, I have to kill Jeroboam. Now, I don't know if Jeroboam tried to lead a revolt. It doesn't say. It doesn't really say what Jeroboam tried to do. Either way, Solomon knew Jeroboam was a threat and so Jeroboam ran to Shishak, king of Egypt. And he remained there until Solomon's death. And then Solomon died. I don't know how far after Jeroboam got his prophecy from Ahijah that Solomon passed away, but Solomon died at around the age of 59 or 60, and he reigned over Israel for 40 years. And much of it was blessing upon blessing, and much of it Solomon had a heart to be loyal to Yahweh, but in the end, his heart began to be turned, and he lost his kingdom. And his son Rehoboam is going to pay the price. So in the end, what do we learn from Solomon? Being the wisest person in the world doesn't mean you're actually going to live it out, right? Number two, it all comes down to loyalty. David, for all his mistakes and for all his failures, Solomon's dad, David, he had a heart loyal to Yahweh. No matter what, he only served one God, and his name was Yahweh. Solomon? His heart wasn't that way. And he broke little laws here and there along the way, and then eventually it showed his true heart when these women said, hey, please, I need this, follow my God, and he loved them more than he loved the Lord. And thirdly, I think this the story of Solomon indicates that old age doesn't guarantee spirituality. You may be listening to this and you're an older person and you may think, hey, I've got this whole Christian thing worked out. 
you got to be vigilant. Solomon is a living example of somebody who started to get lax and to let things go. And you know what happened next? He was in places he probably never thought he would be. But my main point, and the primary thing I want to get across, is it matters who you hang out with. It matters who your best friends are. It matters who you love. Because if they aren't believers, if your best friends aren't followers of Jesus, then you're in a bit of trouble. And I would encourage you to think through, are my friends encouraging me? At whatever age and stage I am in life, are my friends encouraging me to follow Yahweh? To follow Jesus? Or are my friends pulling me further and further away from him? I pray that you choose to be loyal to Jesus and follow him. Start picking friends that will encourage you to do that same thing. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week. Thank you.